depression, anxiety, those overwhelming feelings that plague us and take a toll on our well-being. Is depression and anxiety on the rise? Let's talk about it today on Healthy Harmony. Welcome to Healthy Harmony, where we help you clarify and discuss health tactics to harmonize your life. I'm your host and health coach, Jennifer Pickett, and today my guest is Dr. Jeff Warren. Jeff is a pastor with an obvious love for God, his family, and others. He received his master's degree in theology and a doctorate in ministry from Southwestern Seminary. His vast experience includes serving as a youth pastor in both North Carolina and Texas, serving as the lead pastor at First Baptist McKinney, and now serving as the senior pastor at Park Cities Church in Dallas. He's known for his energy, humor, passion, and creativity, so he's been a very popular speaker and is also an author of the books, Live Forgiven and Be Ready. He enjoys all sports, but we have to say cycling might be his favorite. Jeff is fantastic at just cutting to the chase and giving that real talk that gets to the heart of the issue. So I am overwhelmingly excited to have Dr. Jeff Warren as our speaker today. Jeff, welcome. How are you? Hey, Jennifer, I'm doing great. I'm excited as well. I'm so glad to be here with you. Good, good. Well, let's get right into it. This is a really tough topic um, and something that I'm finding uh, more and more people are really, really struggling with, but it's something that we're almost kind of afraid to address. So as a pastor, what are you seeing in terms of anxiety and worry and depression? Mm. Yeah, so I I have noticed over the past few years, um, of course, research kind of bears this out, but I see it on a personal level that, that uh, anxiety really is on, on the rise. Uh, it, we, it's been called the age of anxiety that we live in right now. I've been in numerous conversations even this week um, with people who are wrestling with anxiety, and often that's coupled with uh, depression, I'm seeing uh, men who are in their 40s in particular, which is interesting, um, maybe because I'm hanging out with a lot of those guys. But, (laughs) you know, it's true. And then uh, young people, senior adults, no age is immune. It seems like a pandemic. Sure enough. That's an interesting statement, the age of anxiety. Um, So you're seeing it literally everywhere that, that no age is immune to it? That's right. Uh, you know, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States. And so I would say this, if you struggle, um, you're not alone. You know, I think probably we all do in varying degrees. Um, you know, if you ever feel, Jennifer, like like me, that sometimes maybe the story of your life keeps kind of getting hijacked or, or wait, I was on to this today and my mind is racing to alternative narratives. Yes, yes I can relate to that. Worry. Yeah, and anxiety and wait, why am I so worried about that? And so, you know, I think we all do, even as a pastor, I do, as I'm trying to help people with this. But um, yeah, 40 40 million adults in the United States, 18 and older, uh, nearly 20% of the population wrestle with some pretty serious anxiety disorders, but there are many types in varying degrees. There's generalized anxiety, there's, you know, acute anxiety, there's social anxiety, and then, then there's all levels of that. There's clinical anxiety, but all of those can be treated. And that's what a lot of people maybe don't know. Anxiety is often associated, as I noted, with depression. And I think we all experience worry, anxiety, sadness, depression on varying degrees and levels. But uh, 
But, you know, it's there's so hope. overwhelming. And I love how you said um, that uh, that someone's not alone. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, depression and anxiety really makes you kind of turn inward. And and when you look at others, you can you kind of compare yourself and go, well, they're not struggling like I am. They they seem to have it all together, right. but I'm struggling. I'm, I can't, you know, I can't get over this nagging sense of worry and fear. Um, yeah. Why do you think, you you said that you're, you're saying uh, there's hope, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, why do you think that these numbers are just going through the roof? Why do you think anxiety and depression is on the rise? Yeah, two things come to mind uh, immediately. One is I think we are more of an isolated people. Um, so if I don't have deep relationships with people or even even a few others where I can recognize, wow, they're wrestling with the same thing I am. You know, if we have surface relationships, you never get there. And, and so you feel like you are alone. But I think too, um, and much has been said about this and probably we should talk about this a bit, but I think in this age of social media where we thought you know, Facebook and Instagram, whatever else would connect us, uh, really it has caused us to be um, removed from one another in a kind of pseudo you know, universe, if you will. David Kinnaman calls it digital Babylon, where we find ourselves in exile living in a place that these you know our screens are speaking and i would say this as a pastor um our screens are are shaping us they're forming us they're forming us spiritually whether you're on your phone your computer your ipad whatever else our screens are discipling is what that's a powerful statement that we're allowing screens to shape us and mold us and disciple us um uh, you know, we see a difference um, in our lives. We also see a difference with our mm-hmm. children. But I, I really like the way you put it's those surface relationships. Um, and I think uh, this age of social media where we're not really connecting, we're just kind of scrolling and we're not deeply connecting with each other. So yes. um, are you finding that people are lonelier than ever? I think so. Um I think, you know, we're, we're the most distracted generation ever, perhaps now, you know, the millennial, the millennials, 28 to 38 years old, you know, we talk about millennials forever. They're now about 40 years old and they're the <laughs> most, they've been the most stressed out generation ever uh, clinically and research shows that, but now probably second only to Gen Z who follow them. And, and the main culprit okay. um, is our, our screens are uh, so many are, are attached to their devices flipping the screens you know a lot of us adults are as well constantly checking emails social media 43 percent of american adults are constant checkers they call them 63 percent of millennials say they're attached to their phone or tablet so millennials report higher stress rates in direct association with their use of technology So it leads me to my next question. Do you feel like our phones and every all the apps on our phones, do you feel like that's addictive? Yes, there's no question. And I think there's research that has done that as well. And, you know, one of the things, oddly enough, it's I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who who is um, attributed with saying this. He's the one who said comparison is the thief of joy. 
I really love that is one of my favorite quotes. I have yeah. some I even have stickers in my paper calendar that remind me of that because it's easy for all of us to compare ourselves to others. So that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes, Jeff. Isn't it something and I think so young people do that, you know, even more so than adults and but gosh, yeah, as adults we we struggle with that, don't we? But um, I, that's that's the real challenge among our younger generation is I can look and see what and you know everybody's living their best life on social media, right? So that's oh yes, that's best really, foot forward, yeah. right? Best foot forward. Yep. But here's what also happens um, is there's when you get online, you probably have seen this whether you're on Facebook or somewhere else, you'll see ads that are connected to your interests, right? And and what's happening there? There's this it's called surveillance capitalism. So there's there's algorithms and such that are being used. So they're going to. And so here's what happens. What you desire is chasing you down. Oh, my word. Okay, say that one more time. I want to that because that's a powerful statement to what you desire is chasing you down. In other words, hey, I am interested in I want to look prettier. Right. Or I want to be stronger. I want Mm -hmm. more muscles or I want whatever it is. Um, that stuff starts coming back at me because of algorithms and, and, uh, and, and surveillance capitalism, which is, you know, folks are trying to sell me something. So they see what I'm clicking and looking at. Someone said that, um, you know, the Internet's going to going to let a teenage girl know that she's pregnant before she knows she is because of the stuff she's searching. In it's other a words, scary you know, world. isn't that something? And so not not just, hey, you're you know what? you're going to know you're pregnant or the internet's going to know it before your mom knows. Um, and so that's, and I mean, that sounds extreme, but there really is something to that. The point though, I'm, I'm the point I'm getting to here is that I may desire certain things, be fascinated, fascinated by certain things, but those, then it's compounded. Those things keep coming at me. Even if I want to, yeah. I got to stop looking at that. I've got to, Oh, I got to get my mind away from it. what keeps showing up. Now I'm told that, and I'm not smart. So enough. we're really being bombarded by this that's, from that's on all channels. We're being bombarded. That's the word. Clearly, that is the word. So, t- you know, parents have got to figure out how to help their their kids. You know, you've got to put some parameters around use of social media and, and you know, simple things like putting your phone in another room when you go to bed or putting them away when everybody's eating dinner. There's got to be times when you're not on the screen and that's yeah, hard and to, not connected that way yeah and it's hard because so much homework and everything else is done you know right on the screen so but there's some good books out there good helps a tech wise family um there's uh you know so there's resources out there that maybe you can point people to yeah, definitely. Um, it brings up such a good topic because we're in the middle of this, having two ten- two teenagers in our home mm-hmm. and uh, trying to set some boundaries, but also empower them so that they know how to set some boundaries. But I don't mm-hmm. see a whole lot of boundaries being set. So, well, you know, we're trying to do those basic things, but I think it's something that every parent struggles with and trying to empower our children um, to make good choices and really just open up their eyes to how deceptive it is and how addicting it is. Um, uh, And it it really does play into overall physical health because I think all of us are finding ourselves on on the phone more than doing any type of movement or activity or even getting some sunshine yeah, outside right. and getting yeah. some fresh air, some fresh All air. And then how about engagement with, with real people right in front of you? Yes. 
and that's yeah so that's and and you know i know we're going to talk further about anxiety but that's a real key anxiety is is a one of the main reasons we're so anxious is because we are so distracted and it's destroying us we're distracted okay so i want you to unpack that a little bit what do you mean by we're very very distracted yeah so um i mary oliver was a pulitzer prize winning poet and she she said something wrote something she died i think a year ago or so but um she she wrote attention is the beginning of devotion attention is the beginning of devotion so that prompted me to think uh, as a pastor i'm thinking about this all the time but it prompted me to think focus is the beginning of worship hmm. whatever captures your attention will guide your life Oh, goodness. So whatever captures your attention will guide your life. I think that means um, a lot of us are in trouble, Jeff. A lot of us are in trouble. We are definitely distracted. Yeah. So so when you look at the teachings of Jesus, um, Jesus teaches us that whatever captures your attention is ultimately what you worship. And so when I thought, wow, attention, focus is the beginning of true devotion, our problem, Jennifer, is that we how about this if you don't have one thing that is the most important thing in your life you're chasing after a million things and so if 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 you don't have one thing that's most important you know we we talk about a first priority um you do an etymology on the word uh uh priority it's not until recently did we come up with priorities by nature priority means one thing Oh, that's interesting. Very there, interesting. There can only be one first, right? There's only one first. And and so if you don't have one first focus in your life, then that explains why you're distracted by a million other things. And Jesus taught this, you know, in Matthew 6 when he talked about um, for where you're tr- – and he talks about anxiety. This is in the context of anxiety. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this becomes a constant diagnostic practice for me. Whatever you value is what captures your attention. And again, attention is the beginning of devotion. So whatever has my attention is what what I'm bringing my life, my energy to. And the more I'm attracted to it, the more that's the case. And so it leads to worry and anxiety. How about this? What leads to worry and anxiety is an unfocused life. Okay, so you're saying that there's this very strong link to having an unfocused life and worry and anxiety. Yes, no question. So, okay. in fact, the the word that Jesus uses in Matthew 6, where he says, you might remember this passage in Matthew 6, 25, where he says, Hey, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you put on. And, you know, we could add all kinds of things to that. Are you not more than clothing and your body more than, uh, or your you know more than food and your body more than clothing? And then he points to the birds of the air. Look at them. And then he points to the lilies of the field. He says, "Do not be anxious." And this word translated anxious literally means to be distracted by. It means divided attention. That's what the word I, means. I've never heard it put like that. That um, just the word anxiety means to be distracted by. That's a very, it's such a powerful statement for me. And I can look at my own life and go, wow, I'm, I'm walking around distracted. Yes. 
um, and and feeling anxious. Um, so this is this hits it truly just hits the mark. So. Jeff, how would you respond to that person who says, okay, look, it's it's a way of life. We've got to have our phones. We've got to be connected to others. We've got to use these apps. How would you respond to that person um, who says, this is a necessary evil? Hmm. Yeah, I, I've, that's a good question. I, again, I think there's, I think above and beyond even the pragmatic stuff that is worth talking about is again, coming back to what is your, what's the focus of your life? Um, because right moments or hours become days and days become months and months become a lifetime. And many of us, here's what I'm finding, even among Christian people, you know, who I'd call good people, I'm seeing good people who are simply distracted by things that do not matter. And, mm-hmm. and so we're wasting our lives as a result. And it's, and yeah, it's true. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm on my phone. What you can do now, you can track how long you're on your phone, how long you looked at Instagram or whatever else. And you can see, and sometimes if you do that, you will look at the end of the day and go, wow, I just spent two hours looking at whatever when I could have been doing something that really matters. And so it's a distracted life. It's, you know, it's, um, you might remember, I'm sure you remember the story of, of Jesus when He's with Mary and Martha, it's in Luke 10, and he uses the same word. When Martha, you know, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. You remember that mm-hmm. story? I do, Martha's I do. Martha's running around and she's busy. And, and, and you know, when, I, when I've when i told that story or thought, any woman that reads that story, I, I always have this image of, um, you know, Thanksgiving. And, yes. you know, <laughs> and generally, right, the guys are sitting around watching football and the women are working hard, you know, I mean, at least in my context, sorry, but that's the way it's making, been. making sure everybody's fed, making sure yes. all the details are happening. Yes. So I've always read that. I'm sure women do this more than even I, I do, but I read that and go, somebody had to make lunch. You know, yes, that's somebody, my thought. That's, somebody had to do it. Somebody's got to do this. So, but then Jesus says, well, then it's funny because Martha says, Hey, tell Mary who's sitting at his feet, listening to him, tell her to help me. How come you're not upset with this? And so you have Martha now telling Jesus what to do, right? And and then she then he says, Martha, you are anxious, literally distracted by so many things. And this is where Jesus makes it crystal clear. But Mary has chosen the one thing. So so this distraction is contrasted with one central focus, back to that priority idea. And so Jesus is saying, um, you know, in a, in, in a simple story and moment, but I think he's given us a principle that says there's got to be a driving priority that guides your life, and then it will trickle down into other parts of your life. Ultimately, it'll trickle down to how much time you're on your phone, how you're going to be distracted by those things. There's a time and a place for phone, for, you know, social media. It's not all evil, but you've got to have a mindset. And I think our kids aren't they don't have boundaries because our parents don't have boundaries. So it's hard to teach our children when they're just watching us laying over on the couch looking at our phones. That's a very powerful statement. And I'm going to say that's a very convicting statement. So I've tried to be really open with with my kids about my struggle and how distracting it is for yes. me. So, um, so, you know, instead of like, hey, I have it all figured out, but just trying to be open and honest with them about my struggle and how, hey, yes, I'm on it. I want to be connected with others, but there's a time and place for everything. And hey, I find myself really distracted and wasting too much time. 
So, you Good. know, trying to guide them just by, by being honest. Yep. Earlier, you said that you see a very powerful connection in how anxiety and depression is linked together. Will you kind of unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, I think, again, I think you go back to um, this comparison is the thief of joy. And a lack of joy, you could argue, leads or is depression. Um, I think I think there's a big part of that. I can't keep up with everybody. I'm not good enough. I uh, I'm seeing what everybody else is doing. Um, I and again, I'm distracted from the source. My phone, my computer, social media, whatever else, is not the source of my strength. My source is found in Christ and in Him alone. Now. I'm reading through this, you know, the, the Bible. We use the Read Scripture app. That's on my phone, you know. Um, there's a lot that is good that can be on your phone, but it can, again, quickly lead you to other to other things. I think that's the connection is that we're two things. We're not focused on life-giving matters, and we're also then into the comparison game, which is ultimately self-destructive. Yes. Um, And I found for me personally, you know, trying to read a devotion on my phone or maybe look up a scripture on my phone. And it was so easy for me to just, I would find myself, I would just kind of look at that scripture and then just hop right over to Facebook or Instagram and not think twice about it. So finally, I was like, okay, Jennifer, be honest with yourself. The phone's not working for quiet time. So for me to fully engage and connect um, in my quiet time, like, for the love, just let me get out my paper Bible <laughs> so yeah. I can fully focus on that. him. That's the most important thing. But man, that's hard to do. And I've even just having my phone close by can be a distraction. So trying to figure that out. But I think we have to put those daily disciplines in place, those boundaries in place, like you said earlier. So yes. what are some of those practical steps that we can take to overcome anxiety in our daily life? Yeah, I th- I like to tell people, you know, that hey, if you're going to worry, and it's interesting, I I don't know why I think of older women in particular because everybody worries, but you know, I talk like a grandmother type who, well, I'm just a worrier. I just worry about you, you know, as if equated <laughs> to love and care, right? Um, yes. Like, mom, why are you calling me? I'm okay. I'm good. I just worry. I love you so much, you know. And and it's no. No, you don't have to worry. I think that's one of the first steps is you've got, Jesus says, be anxious for, well, Paul says it um, in, in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. And, and I jokingly, you know, I looked up that word in the Greek, nothing. It means nothing. It means no thing. No you don't thing, have literally. to worry. Yeah, you don't have to live. And I think we become like Pavlov's dogs. You know, we are, we think, well, you know what? Living in this world, I'm just going to worry. That's the way it goes. I'm anxious. And, yeah. and, and, and Jesus says there's a better way to live. You don't have to be anxious. And I think that's the first step is I can, I can live without anxiety. And one of the things, though, I think has helped me a lot is um, the first step is to own your anxiety. In Psalm 139, you know, David says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. And see if, he says, if I have any anxious thoughts in me. It's not blaming everybody else or that the whole search me. Um, those two words would set you free from about 90% of your anxieties. My goodness, yes. Because much of your anxiety is, is about others. It's others' actions, others' words, others' opinions, your opinion about others. 
Um, and if we could just, you know, really look inward. I mean, my kids are crazy. No wonder I'm anxious. I've got teenagers. No, well, no, no, you, you don't have to be anxious. You, you can take, take a grip on that. And I think that's what Jesus says in that, you know, Matthew six passage. He's, he even says, Hey, look, so look at the birds. God takes care of them. God will take care of you. But then he moves to look at the, as if to, you know, go a step further. He doubles down and he says, look at the lilies of the field. They don't do anything. They don't fly around to get food. They don't make nests. They don't, they do nothing. And your father takes care of them. And look how beautiful they are. I think that's his way of saying you are not in control. Lilies aren't controlled and control yes. the rain or the sun or anything else. And, and, and to think that we're in control of our lives is what leads to so much anxiety and, and control. That's a myth. And do you think we, why do we so desperately want control? Why is that? Because I know that's something that I've struggled with and then I try to give it to God and then I take it right back. Yep. That struggle for control. Why do we so desperately want control of our life? It takes us back to, that takes us right back to the original sin um, in the garden. I want to be God. I want to mm. be God of my life. I want to be the one in control. Yeah. I, I want to call the shots. Yeah, I can do this. It's you know, ultimately it's pride as if I can do this better than God, I suppose. And, you know, there's uh, something I don't want to miss in, in this podcast, Jennifer, is to say, and maybe others have heard of this, but it helped me for so long ago that Jesus never, back to priorities, this is so critical. Jesus never talked about um, balance in life. You know, for years I would, and we, we must seek balance. We've even talked about it here. There's a time to be on your phone. There's a time not to be on your phone. There's a time to be focused on your children, on your spouse, on, you know, there's a time to pray without a phone around with it. So there's balance in all that. But Jesus never talked about balance. He talked about the, the all out pursuit of one thing. And that is what has helped me as much as anything. If I don't have my heart set on him, and he said the one thing, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. I see that as everything else that I'm worried about will find its rightful place if I stay focused on him. And so that that's a real key, I think. So when your phone goes off, and I've likened it to a shock collar, you know, in your pocket, and, and it's too much. We're not we're not meant to carry the world in our pocket. We're really not. We are not equipped for that. We're not at all. God is, you know, I mean, he's carrying the world. But we now have a computer sitting in our pocket or in our purse or wherever it is. And it is in particular if notifications are on it or whatever else you're. You're looking at that thing all the bam, there it goes again. And you're, you know, like, hey, I think I'm focused today. I'm having a pretty good day. Bam, my phone goes off. And I'm looking, oh wow, there's gosh, someone was murdered in my county, you know, or something. And yes. we're not we're just not meant to carry that stuff. It's and too so, much. Oh, it's too much. And we've got to recognize that. And we've got to come before the Lord and and humble ourselves before him. You know, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourself before the Lord under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We, but what do you need to own, you know, as your own anxiety? We blame it on everything. And we can't blame our phones, right? Um, yeah. I can, get I can get anxious, but I need to stop for a minute and say, oh, no wonder. I've been looking at my phone for the past 30 minutes. 
So let me ask you a question. Uh, you referenced this earlier. As a pastor, I think people would look at you and go, oh, he, he's kind of got it figured out. Like he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Have you had struggles with anxiety or depression? And um, what did you do to combat that? Yeah, so I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to have to say yes, because I think everybody does in varying degrees. I, I've learned that I am, God's given me this, just kind of this extreme optimism. I think it's a real key trait of a leader, by the way, but um, I'm just kind of naturally bent that way. But I, I would say in more recent years, I think I've wrestled more with anxiety. Um, maybe I didn't know to call it that, you know, mm -hmm. I, maybe, maybe it was more, gosh, I can't, I can't stay focused. My mind keeps racing. You know, my wife, Stacy always tells me, you're always thinking, you know, and I'm like, well, how do you not think, you know, all the time? <laughs> But what she means, I think, is, yeah, uh, it's good to have a spouse as a mirror, right, to look in. Yes. And she she would say, no, you're always thinking about things and probably not fully present is probably what she would mean. And so that I could call that anxiety. Um, and I, I think, yeah, th so what we've talked about here, I, I get up in the morning. The things that have helped me um, is to is to have is to be reminded of. Uh, that my life is focused on one thing. In, in my best moments, that really is what I want. I want to pursue Jesus above everything else. And and I do that, you know, every time I have, before I have my quiet time, uh, read scripture or walk into worship, I have a simple prayer and, it, and it's this, Jennifer, it's, Lord, remind me again of how much you love me. Because I what am- What a simple, powerful prayer. I love yeah. that. Just remind me again of how much you love me. Because I've learned, I can try to muster up love for him. You know, I can love him more, wish I loved him more. Oh, Jesus, I love you, oh, but I want to love you more. But when I'm captured by his love for me, which never changes, um, you know that old song, what is it? If ever I loved you, you know, my Jesus, tis now or something like that. Yes. Um, I don't know if I could, have, has anyone ever sung that song and really mean it, meant it in the moment? Not me. Right. Um, you know, I, but what I do know, I don't know if I've ever loved, I don't, I don't know if I, I love him now more than I ever have before. I could probably say no, probably not. What I do know is he loves me now more than ever before. He loves me now perfectly. And so I've got to keep coming back to that um, because that's what defines me ultimately. Not, again, others' opinions, not I performed well today, which can lead to anxiety or worry. Um, yeah, I just keep coming back to him. And I think the other thing that helps me is uh, is that, you know, if I go into the past without the Lord and I worry so much about what things that have happened, that only leads to regret and shame generally. If I go without him, if I go into the future without him, it leads to uh, anxiety and worry. So I've got to stay in the present. And if I stay in the present, if my mind drifts to, and I mean, you know, to love him, no, no, to rest in his love for me. Yes. If I, if I go into the past with him, that should lead me to gratitude for faithfulness, his faithfulness. If I go into the future with him, that leads to hope because I know he's going to be faithful in the future. So to live in the moment, you know, that's what I'm really learning these days is what is success in life. It's really being a faithful presence right now, right here. 
Oh, I just, I love this. Jeff, you have done such a powerful job of, of aptly describing why we struggle with depression and anxiety and worry and fear and how that is really just linked back to distraction. You've given us some amazing practical tips and um, have just drawn it all back to just getting quiet with um, our Lord and Savior and focusing on that one priority, not priorities, but that one priority. So this has been so very impactful. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that want to connect with you. So uh, tell us where people can connect with you. And um, also, I want you to tell us where they can connect with some of your sermons, because I know I'm going to get those questions. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm out where everybody else is. I'm on Facebook. You can find me, Jeff Warren. Um, I'm on Twitter. You know, who's out there? That's where I get my news. I hardly watch the news anymore, but, um, I'm on, uh, yeah. Instagram's a good place to find me too. I'll post things out there. Sermons, uh, you can go to pcbc.org. That's Park Cities Baptist Church is in Dallas, Texas. And you can go there. Um, some of what we talked about today, I did a sermon uh, with some of this content and more uh, in a series we called um, God's Better Story. And we talked about God's better story for our for life. And we talked about anxiety and a better way to live. So they can find me there at those those places. Fantastic. Thank you so very much. Guys, also remember to subscribe to us on your favorite platform of choice. You can like us on Facebook or Instagram at Inspire Healthy Harmony. You can also join in the hot discussion on our Facebook group as we unpack more about depression and anxiety. And you can also check us out at InspireHealthyHarmony.com. So until we meet again, I hope you have a fantastic day. Bye, y'all.